Charnel here with a special announcement for 2023. If you have ever considered joining our Patreon to help keep us on the air, now is the time to click the link in the show notes and make it happen because we're committing more of our energy and resources into exclusive content like we have never done before. Of course, we will continue to bring a case each week released on Sundays for free, available anywhere you listen to us, and just listening and following us on social media helps keep us on the air. But through Patreon, we are now offering our $3 a month members early access to ad-free weekly cases plus one bonus episode a month, Our $5 a month Patreons enjoy early access to ad-free weekly cases plus two bonus episodes a month, and our $10 a month Patreons enjoy early access to ad-free weekly cases and five bonus cases, including a BrainBath-only episode each month. I'm sure you understand the need to give the most content to those who provide us with a way to buy books for research, pay for our monthly platform and website fees, and compensation for the time and energy it takes to do such deep research. We love and appreciate all of you for listening, enjoying our hard work each week. You can join below through the link in the show notes or go to patreon.com forward slash crime curious podcast. Thank you so much for your time. We have big plans for 2023. Keep it curious. Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into true crime cases through the lens of a trained investigator and former prosecutor turned judge. If you are sensitive to expletives, anatomical descriptions, and accurate descriptions of true crime scenes, this podcast may not be suitable for you. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Chanel. And I'm Megan. Bringing us something a little different today, Megan. Oh, let's shake our Gregory yep, first. Yep. There we go. Got the crystals. Got the bones. Now we're off to a zen-like start. Everything is right with the world. Mm-hmm. And except for this case. Oh, so I'm bringing always. us a massacre. Hey, today. I had recently brought a massacre. Yep. They're good. Yep. Not that they're great. But right. They're bad. They're, but it's well, they're different. interesting. Mm-hmm. Like why? I always want to know why. I know this one is going to seem, ev- I think, probably like one of the most senseless, and you're just a spiteful human being because you lost your job. Oh, like, one of the, this is a disgruntled employee case. He wasn't an employee of oh, where shit. he massacred. He was a disgruntled at. employee He's from just, somewhere. Just right, disgruntled in life, okay. I think. Um, this is the San Isidro from San Isidro, California. Okay. McDonald's massacre. I have heard of this, but I don't have deets. Well, and it happened a while ago. I mean, not too long ago because it's in the 80s and, you know, I was born in the 80s. That's, I'm not old. That's why. So right. I would have probably been in grade school. Yeah, it happened July 18th, 1984. Okay. So. I was seven. Right. right. It, this would now be 39 years ago. Right. And James Oliver Huberty, that is our perpetrator. I'll give you a little bit of information about him before we get started. I will name all of the victims, even though there are there's a lot of them. Just okay. so you know, we're victim focused here. So I like want to hear that. all their names so that we can say mm. them. There is power in words. There certainly are. James. So James Huberty was born in actually in Canton, Ohio. Oh, close to us. Yep, October eleventh, nineteen forty two. When he was three, he actually got a polio. And even though he had like a progressive recovery, the the disease caused him to suffer with permanent walking yes. difficulties. Mm-hmm. I've seen that happen with polio victims. 
in the early 1950s, his father bought a farm in Pennsylvania Amish country, which we're very familiar very with. Very familiar with Pennsylvania Dutch. And But his mother was not so happy about this, and she refused to live in Amish country and the Amish lifestyle. Mama wants electricity. Yes. Cars, indoor plumbing. Indoor plumbing. Mm-hmm. I cannot fault you, ma'am. Nope, me neither. I also need my daily shower. Hot that's warm. shower. Mm-hmm. That other people haven't bathed in. Yes, that's the key. I was the youngest, so I would have been the last one in that bathwater. Oh, shit, man. This, uh, so his mother soon abandoned the family, okay? Oh. She actually joined um, what was described as a, side, a sidewalk preacher. Oh. Uh, for the Southern Baptist organization. Okay. So her mom, his mom became a Southern Baptist and moved to the South to follow that life, abandoned the family. And obviously, as it would any child, the abandonment of his mother had a profound effect on young James. One of the most serious child traumatic experiences that you can have. Yes. And for him, he became very withdrawn, very sullen, and struggled through his childhood. In 1962, sorry, I hit the microphone with my cups. I was just I waiting for water. you to spill water all <laughs> over know. the... Uh, I has a lid today. You're good. In 1962, James enrolled in the Jesuit Community College where he earned a degree in psychology, and he would later receive a license for embalming at the Pittsburgh Institute of Mortuary Science in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I have to say that there's a morbid curiosity about me that I feel like that could have been on my list of jobs that I might have wanted at one point. I feel like maybe in a previous life you were a, a mortician. A mortician. Mm-hmm. I think I'd be good at it. I do too. You've got a scientific mindset. The dead don't scare you. Not at all. And if anything, you you could befriend them. I think that this I think, would be good for yeah, you. Yeah, with logic, when they start moving about on the table, I know that they're not zombies. Yeah. And if they are, I am well prepared for the zombie apocalypse. Right. I think that- You want me you. on your zombie apocalypse You team. are on my team, Trust actually, me. because I'm just there to like, <laughs> I will cook us stew. Gross. <laughs> I mean, the I camp. like stew. Right. It's like, fine. I, there's not going to be a lot available to us in the zombie apocalypse. This so is like, true. Everyone has their strengths and I will cook us things while others do the fighting and the, you know, dismembering and things like that. Okay. Yeah. I love it. I can make She's our She's a zombie camp, housewife. I will make our camp adorable. It will be. <laughs> so, All right. So he has a degree in mortuary, mortuary science. science. Yep. While he was at mortuary school, he actually met his wife, Etna. And they married in 1965, and they had two daughters, Zelia and Cassandra. Cute. Yeah. They settled in Massillon, Ohio. I don't, have not ever heard of that. They're a neighboring state, and I have no idea where that is. Nope. Where James worked as an undertaker um, at the Don Williams Funeral Home. And then in 1971, the family was forced to relocate to Canton, Ohio, because their house in Massillon went ablaze. Uh-oh. Yes. So they lost their home and had to go back to where their family was in Canton. So while living in Canton, James Huberty found work as a welder for um, a place called Union Metal Inc. And he and his wife, Etna, had a history of violent behavior with Uh-oh. each other. Um, this seemed to really show up after he became a welder. I don't know if it was just he couldn't find a job as a Mortician. mortician anymore or if he was no longer interested in that and wanted to learn a new trade i couldn't find that information 
soon after the girls were born and after this job change, things start to surface and their marriage is not. So Etna, uh, she struggled. She had her issues as well. There is one report of her being at a birthday, a birthday, a birthday <laughs> party with her daughter. And Etna was seen instructing her daughter Zelia to physically assault one of her classmates. Oh, I don't like that. No. And this was related to an altercation with the, with, um, the Etna had with this classmate's mother. So it's basically like, I had a throw down with the mom. So you're so going to fight you- her daughter? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's not so, classy, Etna. Etna had, like I said, Etna had some struggles too. There was also a report of her uh, threatening a woman with a nine millimeter pistol. And oh my God, this is a rough lady. Well, she was arrested for that by the Canton police, but they weren't able to confiscate the actual weapon. So she was released. And I'm not even, I put this in here. Jane, I mean, we already know he's an asshole because he's the perpetrator of a massacre, but he kills his dog for scratching his car. There, I know there's people very sensitive to. Um, no, but I think it's important well. to let people know because when you have somebody who has a proclivity toward animal violence, I and mean, that's something we need to know. Well, and it goes along with his mo of what he does to all these people. But he shot the German Shepherd in the head. Oh, mm-hmm. for scratching his car. For scratching his car. Mm-hmm. And I am fully recognize that I'm able to cover cases about people literally murdering children, but I have a difficult time when it's a dog. I'm, it's the same way with movies. I can't watch a movie where a dog dies, but I can watch <laughs> movies where people die. I, I know. I'll talk to Peter about it. Again. Uh, at the see, see a previous yes. episode. Right. This is another conversation I'm going to have during my life review. I understand. And I think it's probably actually normal. There's more of us out there yeah. than, than you realize. I think so. So it's no surprise then, Megan, to hear that domestic violence is a pretty common thing in the Huberty household that the children witnessed on a regular basis. Um, and Etna did file reports with the police department with Child Protective, well, they call it child and family services at the time, that um, he had broken her jaw. Wow. Um, and that he was very prone to bouts of violence. And and he's not getting arrested for these. No. They just know that there is the DV 70s. in the home. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. This was the time frame where you minded your own business and home violence stayed in the home. Yep. And, you know, I forgot about, because I did this research like, four weeks ago, I think, but I had forgot about this little part and it's just, it goes right in kind of pairs with the previous episode. But when she would see her husband start to get violent, she would pacify him by doing a tarot card reading for him to read his future because he was really, God, that's so funny. I know I'm dying right now. He's your husband's beating the shit out of you. And you're like, baby, let me read you some tarot. And it says this, this card says your life is getting shorter. (laughs) Right. Exactly. This this card says, "Oh, yeah, that doesn't let you shouldn't carry heavy objects." Nope. Right. Isn't that perfect? <laughs> That's so funny. Well, it apparently would calm him. It would produce a very calming effect for him. He was always really, really worried about his future okay. and what he was going to do. She created so, a survival skill. She did, most definitely. And it would have a temporary calming effect for him. It so. works. Uh, he got into a motorcycle accident at one point in time, and it was a pretty bad accident that left him with an uncontrollable twitch in his right arm, which then makes it con- impossible for him to continue as a welder. 
Correct. So and you remember, have nerve damage. Remember a potential head injury, which always goes well with violent temperaments. Right. And and um your child severe childhood trauma yeah. of your mother abandoning. It's you're you. just adding all of these uh, traumas. No, to this each is other. this is completely murder chili. Is you, what we're it making. is murder chili. It's murder chili. You are giving me the recipe for a future serial killer, or in this yep. case, a, a massacreist. Yes, is that yes. what we would Where, call him? Whereas the main ingredient is the abandonment of the mother, and then, and then, then you add, add in, in the the disability from polio, onion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's sprinkled with a little bit of DV, and here you go. Now, an un- a motorcycle accident where you have an uncontrollable twitch in your right arm. Right. So, because he cannot continue as a welder. In January 1984, the Huberty family left Canton, Ohio, and they briefly stayed in Tijuana, Mexico, before settling in San Isidro, which is just across I the border. I feel like that's a big jump from Canton, Ohio to Mexico. For It most certainly is. I mean, it's it's much different. To Tijuana. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Pack up the bags, kids. We're going to Mexico. Right? Just suddenly drive... All the way across the country. Okay. But then they move back over the border into Cali. They did. Yep. So San Isidro is a community within San Diego. Okay. Mm -hmm. California. So he was able to find work as a security guard in the San Isidro um, area. However, he was dismissed from his position just two weeks before the events that he, the tragic events that he uh, perpetrates here. And we don't know. Like, what is is really going on with him? He gets dismissed from that position just two weeks before the shooting, the massacre that takes place. And his apartment is only three blocks away from the site of where he does this horrible massacre. But prior, right prior to the, the shooting, on the day before the massacre, he had actually called himself a mental health center seeking help. Okay. The receptionist there took his name down as Showberty instead of Huberty. She completely misspells it. And he had not made it emergent enough of what he was clearly going through and needed help with. Right. So you minimize. He, he, and he did. And so his call was not returned. But this information took a while to even figure out because of the way the receptionist had taken down the wrong name she she spelled it s-h-o-u-b-e-r-t-y and shauberty yes shauberty instead of huberty Mm -hmm. on the morning just so the day before the massacre on july 18th huberty and his family went to the san diego zoo they had eaten at a mcdonald's in the claremont neighborhood in northern san diego on that day so they went to mcdonald's they went to the zoo Mm and they went to the zoo yep and this McDonald's is the McDonald's that the massacre takes place at. So it's thought that I don't know if that is where he birthed the plan of what he was going was to do. Was he angry? Was the ice cream machine broke down? You know. Like he had some type of a vendetta? We, we find out. Hold on. Okay. I'm jumping that. ahead. Yep, we're getting to that in just a second. So before he left for McDonald's the next day, he decided that he's going to go to McDonald's. His wife, Etna, asked him where he's going, and he responded that he was hunting humans. What the hell? Mm-hmm. And Etna's like, cool, have a good day. Here's well, your lunch pail. No, never mind. He had gotten fired, and he was just off. 
I she definitely could tell that he was not well hunting humans. Later, there is some backlash at could her from the computed from the community of sure. I don't want to blame the victim or the uh, perpetrator's <clears throat> wife. No, but she knew he was, you know, kind of going off the rails here. He had said that he was hunting humans, and then he had said to her earlier in that day, "quote Society had its chance." End quote. Oh. So he's just pissed off at all of us, society in general. He would not be happy with two. I was hoping that maybe she would take his commentary as him looking for a job, like since he had lost one. Mm-hmm. But then you just added the second part. Society part. had its chance. Yeah. And to my knowledge. Let me teach it a lesson. Didn't, yeah, exactly. She did not know that he was armed okay. at this point in time. He, she just knows that he leaves and with these words of basically I'm done with all of society. society. Mm-hmm. So I'll take you through when, so when later when she's questioned, she gave no explanation as to why she failed to report his bizarre behavior. Okay. There were witnesses in the apartment complex that they lived in, which was only three blocks from this massacre where okay. this massacre takes place. It's their regular McDonald's. We have we all have one that we go to on the oh, regular yes, to grab yes. your coffee or your McMuffin your, your or whatever. Your comfort McDonald's. Yes. 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 <laughs> so a witness had spotted him as he left his apartment and he proceeded down um, San Isidro Boulevard with two firearms. Oh. They did phone the police and say there is a man with two firearms walking down San Isidro Boulevard. But the dispatcher gave the reporting officers the wrong address. So now we have, we've got a like wrong the, name yes. for a mental commitment, the yep. wrong address for a potential crime scene, or at least a suspicious individual. Exactly. Exactly. This so, is a recipe for disaster. And, and that's what happens. And I'm going to take you through the um, timeline of events here. So Huberty uses a nine millimeter Uzi semi-automatic. And the, which this is the primary weapon. There were more than one, but he also had a a, a Winchester pump action twelve gauge shotgun, a nine millimeter Browning HP that was in the restaurant but didn't seem to be fired. There were twenty two people that end up losing their lives, and nineteen others that are wounded. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, Huberty's victims were predominantly Mexican and Mexican American, and ranged in age from. Eight months to 74 years because he's in a McDonald's. He's in a McDonald's restaurant. And a busy one, apparently, because that's almost 40 people. Yes. Total. Yep. The massacre began at 3.40 p.m. and lasted for 77 minutes. Jesus. He had spent 257 rounds of ammunition before he was fatally shot by a SWAT team sniper, Chuck Foster, who had to perch himself on the roof of the post office that was adjacent to the restaurant. Initially, law enforcement and emergency crews responded to the McDonald's located um, at the U.S. international border with Tijuana at 315. That was the wrong address. That is where the the person who was like, hey, he's going down San Ysidro Boulevard, toward, you know, headed towards that McDonald's. That's where they initially responded to it. So they respond to the wrong McDonald's. At 315 because shots didn't actually start until 340. Okay. So it potentially, had they went to the right I McDonald's, know. it could have been prevented. Yep. Yep. Makes me sick. Yep. 
So then it's 15 minutes later that they change directions and they learn where the actual McDonald's that was um, across from the post office that's approximately two miles away. Had shots already were. been fired by the time they turn around? Yes. They realized they were headed yep. to the wrong one. Mm-hmm. Now, Huberty stated during the massacre, because remember there are 19 survivors, right. so they're listening to him talk and, and chatter on. Um, so he says during the massacre that he had killed thousands of people in the Vietnam war, but he had actually not served in any military branch at all. Megan, he's not a veteran. No, he's just, he just was saying that while he's doing this. Eyewitnesses stated that he had previously been seen, um, at the big bear supermarket and later at the post office, but then just decided, I guess, that the McDonald's was the bigger target. That's so his location. I have a, a suspicion that... He the, was scoping the, out the others? He was. The supermarket didn't have enough potential for victims. Close-knit. Think about how tight of a space you're in Correct. in a McDonald's compared to a supermarket. And the places that you could hide in a supermarket compared to that. You lose a, lines of sight. In a post you have a line office, of sight in a McDonald's. For sure. And a post office doesn't have as many people in it as a restaurant, you know. Agreed. In our local post office, granted this is California, you might have three employees behind the counter and then whoever might happen to come in to mail something or check their P.O. box. Right, right, exactly. But it's just, it's not going to be if this is what you're, you know. He was going for the largest population possible near mm-hmm. him. Yep. So the Makes massacre me dislike him immensely. started at 340. It was 408 when paramedic u- units were rushing into the scene but they were halted by the gunfire. The gunfire is still going off. So there's paramedics there trying to help, Mm -hmm. but they cannot rush into the gunfire themselves. They're waiting for a SWAT team. Yep. And once the sniper takes them out, then they all, there were, there were helicopters. I believe there's two helicopter, life flight helicopters. I remember this. I was so young, Charnel, but Mm -hmm. I feel like I remember this. It obviously made huge news. Yes. Oh, definitely. I'm sure. Due to the number of victims, local funeral homes had to use the civic center to hold bodies. The, yes. And oh. the, then the funerals and things like that. So sorry. Um, they all had to do back to back funeral masses to accommodate everything. I mean, sure. it's just awful. So let me, I want to take you through the victims' Thank names. You. We have, so there was, and forgive me because there's a lot of Spanish names and I am not a vast you know, I can help that, a little but, bit, but so just don't come at me if I pronounce <laughs> something wrong, but, uh, there's Elsa Ferrero. She was 19. She was a McDonald's employee. Neva Kane, 22. She was the manager at the McDonald's. Michelle Carcroc, I'm sorry, Carn Cross, 18, oh. just a patron. Maria Silva, 19. David Delgado, uh, Delgado. Yep. 11. Oh, then David. Omar Hernandez was 11, and David Flores, who was also 11, they were two 11-year-olds that were, they had actually ridden their bicycles to the McDonald's, and they were the first to be shot because they were still in the parking lot. And even made it inside. They had not, No. And one of their schoolmates, a friend that was also with them, Joshua, Joshua Coleman, survived because he was shot, but he played dead in the parking lot on the asphalt. What a smart baby. Yes. As he was um, 
bleeding from yeah. his his wounds. But the first responders were able to get to him first. He wasn't inside the building, so yep. they could attend to him yep. without waiting for SWAT. Exactly. Then <sighs> there there's Gloria Gonzalez. She was 23. Uh, Blythe Herrera, 31. She was the mother of this next victim, uh, Mateo Herrera, who was 11. Paulina, oh, sorry, Paulina Lopez, 21. She was an employee. Margarita Padilla, 18, another Mac, uh, McDonald's employee. Claudia Pereira's, nine. Oh. Jose Pereira's, 19. Carlos Reyes, eight months. Oh, fuck. Uh-huh. Jackie Reyes, 18. Mother, that mom? Mother of Carlos. Mm-hmm. Victor Riviera, 25. Arias Delcy Vargas, 31. Hugo Vesquez, 45. Lawrence Versilis, 62. Ada Victoria, 69. And Miguel Ulola, 74. The husband of Ada Victoria. So. Those are all of the people that lost their lives in the massacre. all the people that lost their lives, yes, in this massacre, which I know you say you remember. Obviously, it's 1984. I have no recollection of it. I was months old at this point in time when this happened, but I had never heard of it and really wanted to make sure that we covered this. I don't, I've never heard it on any other podcasts or anything. I think why it sounds familiar to me, it's not like I remember it so much as I, I think I remember the news and we're rural here. I got like, remember getting like three TV stations mm-hmm. with rabbit ears, right? Yep. And so it would come on the news. We didn't even have a McDonald's in our County at that point in time. So right. it was a real treat and something you paid attention to, to eat at a fast food place when yeah. you from our area most definitely um and so i just i remember that Mm -hmm. it just yeah on september 26th 1984 mcdonald's did tear down that restaurant where it occurred and gave the property to the city which i love that they did that and then they in turn established the education center as part of the southwest community college this location was built in 1988 as an expansion of its off-campus locations in front of the school is a memorial to the massacre victims and they have um, hexagonal granite pillars ranging in height from one to six feet oh. to uh, to show the commemorate them victims, mm-hmm. yep. both children and adults. Yep. So then there's in 1986 a lawsuit that was filed by Etna Huberty, Huberty James's widow. It was unsuccessful, but it was she was suing McDonald's. No. Mm-hmm. And Babcock's. Babcock and Wilcox, James Huberty's longtime former employee in Ohio that fired him because he couldn't Employers. weld. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, in Ohio State Court for $7.88 million, claiming that the massacre was triggered by the combined mixture of McDonald's food and work around his poisonous metals, being a welder. Um, she, we're a litigious society. She uh, alleged that the monosodium glutamate in the food. I know this case too. I we we reviewed this in law school. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Combined with the high levels of lead and cadmium in Huberty's body, induced delusions and uncontrollable rage. Okay. Like I said, she lost the the lawsuit. She, she did, did not get any money. She did. I will say. That an autopsy did reveal high level of metals, most likely built up from fumes that were inhaled during his 14 years of welding. But the autopsy results also revealed that there were no drugs or alcohol in his system at the time of the killings as well. So I found that fascinating. I'm like, she 
her husband killed 22 people. Mm-hmm. And she sued. And she sued the place that he chose to carry out his horrific actions. Um, the balls. <laughs> yeah. So when you are an attorney uh, who deals in those type of lawsuits, the victim or I, well, I'm sorry, the, the perpetrator's wife um, comes in wanting to sue probably the employer. And then you have to look to where the deep pockets are. Mm -hmm. So you get these lawsuits then um, that are relatively frivolous um, against large corporations. I mean, we all know about the lady that sued McDonald's successfully because of the the hot hot coffee. Coffee, That's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's one of those things that you can, uh, we argued about in uh, law school, having these great debates like common sense, coffee is hot. One would should know right. that it's hot. But then there's the argument that, but was it too hot? And should there have been a label, which there are now, right. caution, hot. hot. You know, so it just, it, I'm not as shocked as you might be that she sued McDonald's. And I guess for me, it's I'm just not. harder for me to track because he had ate McDonald's the day before. You know he had ate McDonald's several times before that as well. I think he snapped and he looked for the place that he had the the, the largest most amount of victims. victims. Yeah. And I guess even being a long time, you know, all right, the um, the high level of metals and all that stuff, you know, if he was still alive and got like ill from that or something like that, I uh, Okay. okay. No, and Maybe I could see that. There yeah, are some yeah. valid lawsuits from that right. type of exposure. But like to say that these metals and the food of McDonald's caused him to do this, in my opinion, is asinine because wouldn't we all? Shouldn't then it track that all welders who have ate at McDonald's before then go on and commit horrific massacres, right? Like that, this... Yeah, this it's, is disgusting. Yep, to it's me. it's the science of it, and again, those things they they still get brought up in court. Reasons that people might act a certain way because of a combination of medications and environmental exposure, and you know what, Chanel? Sometimes they do cause some type of a reaction. Sure, this was not the case, no, though. So no. let's just be clear: it was thrown out of court. Mm-hmm. There is no documented proof that that was the case. And do you think, Megan, though, that even an argument like that of like, well, this chemical caused me to do this isn't that similar to like our mental health is not our fault but it is our responsibility and so like yes you have these poisons whatever in our body but it's still your responsibility to use your moral compass to not commit heinous things i could not have said that better your mental health is your responsibility. Right, right. And as is your physical health. Correct. Mm-hmm. You have to advocate for yourself, not only with your regular doctor for physical things, but with your mental health, with, mm-hmm. in, with therapy. Or, And, you know, I think I'll, get, I'll throw him a bone for this. He did go attempt to get some assistance for some mental health issues that he was having. Albeit minimizing because they de- deemed it of non-emergent. Of course. So, and did he follow that. through? Non-emergent right. to me now usually means this person can be treated on an outpatient basis. Follow up with a therapist. Let's get you some medications, a psychiatry appointment, perhaps. And we have no idea whether he did any of that. Right. No. no Obviously, no. if he did, it didn't work out so well for him. Right. Based right. off of the decisions that he made, mm-hmm. he was culpable. He had the mens rea. He had the mindset he did. to commit the crime, and he did. And he did. Yep, exactly. I just found that. I was like, it's oh fascinating. my God, this woman then went on to do that. And especially after she had known, 
there is a trail in Ohio of him, her filing complaints about him being violent against her. Yeah. I mean, truly. I, ugh, I don't know. That just got me. I got to bathe you now. Yeah, please. Give me, give me a brain bath here. I have one for us. It's been a long time since I have brought you any sort of man getting his penis stuck in anything or harmed. It or, has, you know? And I, it, you're trying to win the trophy bet because I got it back from you with the taser. You know, I don't think this one's going to do it. Okay. I think this one is just a PSA to all of our listeners out there, all of our male listeners out there who maybe have a strong-minded woman about things Uh-oh. that you just want to, you want to maybe take care of her because- Men, cover up your bits, cross your legs yes. tight. Charnell's going to bathe me. Yes. Yes, I am. Maybe not so much the male population. Um, This just happened in 2022. Oh, dear. March, as a matter of fact. So Just less than a year ago. Mm -hmm. Man gets harpoon stuck (gasps) in his penis because he allegedly didn't make his wife dinner. Which I know your husband typically makes dinner in your house, right? Because you're I mean, working hours during the week. Yep, that's what that's what I mean. I'm so, the chef, but he does a good job, right? And I have never thought about threatening Harpooning him with a penis. harpoon if he didn't First put my all, chili on the table. I do think that you have more value for your husband's penis than a majority than this woman. Obviously, right? I mean, I do too. That would be the last place that I'm going to injure. You know, his soul, maybe. Right. His penis. I will break you as a human, but we're not going to yes. break the things that I like. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this woman just didn't think these things through, okay? So a man in Thailand is feeling some pain after getting shot in his manhood because he allegedly went out for drinks with his friends instead of making dinner for his wife. I think it also has more to do with the choices that he, his alternatives of what he decided, he his did, decision making. He did make a choice that night. He did. According to the Daily Star, uh, Chatina... Shot Moonseaton with a harpoon after waiting for him to come home. Moonseaton told the star, the the um, Chicago Daily star? star, Daily Star, oh, that his wife twisted the spear when it was implanted into his penis. Ooh, oh, that wasn't an accident. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. feel this. Feel this. <laughs> yep. How do you like that? I'm hungry. This almost this, compensates for my hunger pain. This is why. You, this is taking hangry to a whole different level. Yeah, Moon Talk Seaton, about twisting the knife when it's in. This is worse. He uh, was so drunk when he got home that he didn't go to the hospital until the next day, Megan. <laughs> so he didn't actually feel it, which is probably why she twisted it. Because he's like, I'm sorry, you did not react to that. How about this? How come I think of harpoons as being huge whaling implements? Well, you're not wrong. I mean, look at the picture of it. I mean, it's it's a harpoon. What the hell? What he size went, of a penis would that go into? I don't know. But if, if that's the case, why are you harming it? Right. I, <laughs> harness its powers for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah. Um, Maybe so he, he was unleashing that whale when he was out with his friends. And that's why she, she was really mad. She was very worried. Mm-hmm. I don't know that this is about dinner, guys. So, I, right? I just don't. His penis needed 17 stitches, according to the Daily Star. Congratulations for needing and I having know, room for, for 17. 17 stitches. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> we are the same person. I know. Uh-huh. Pray for us. He decided to stay away from home until his wife cools down. <laughs> Good idea. Wonder if that was a doctor recommended advice. I know. 
<laughs> Seriously. I'd write it on the discharge slip. And I found that article on WTRF.com. WTF. I, I That's for dang like sure. That. Yep. <laughs> what the real fuck.com. <laughs> yep. Like, this is, that's Fantastic that brain funny? bath. Yep, there we go. So. And I would just like to inquire of all of our male listeners as to what you're cooking your wives for dinner tonight. <laughs> yes. Please make sure it's Hit something us up. good. Let us know what you made. That she likes. Most definitely. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening and uh, head over to our podcast, crimecuriouspodcast.com. If you would like to buy merch or send us case suggestions, you can do it right there through the contact us uh, page or email crimecuriousyahoo.com or find us on socials. We're everywhere, people. We're everywhere. We are. And we return messages. We do. And if you want to binge a ton of episodes and get multiple episodes a week, then join Patreon. And uh, the link is in the show notes or patreon.com forward slash crime curious if you just want to uh, throw us some donation money for research there's the link for buy me a coffee in there too and that's what we use that for so you're welcome to do that as well if if, uh, becoming a patreon is not for you but you want to just show us some love so and until next time everybody keep it curious and keep listening and bye-bye